Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, good evening, guys and gals. Uh, we got some stuff to get to here today. Obviously, some breaking news in the AFC North, which we're going to kick off with that here um, as we get rolling into your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, your local experts on all the big stories, Cleveland Browns-wise, brought to you tonight by Hotels.com. Uh, look, it's the time of the year. It's the summer. People are going away. People are doing things. Uh, maybe you have the extra money. Maybe you don't. But even if you think it's close, check out Hotels.com. Uh, great benefits for everybody. Like I tell you guys, they ain't discriminating. You know, they'll hook you up with the best they can. So check it out and get rewarded everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. Uh, Pete, we had, well, this has gone on now for me, guys, because I guess it started with, you know, yeah, maybe about 10 days ago, uh, you know, Joe Mixon could lead the NFL in rushing in 2019, which I thought was kind of preposterous. Um, and then I actually had had it brought to my attention that he led the AFC in rushing, which seemed like the, you know, most unearth-moving statistical amount that happened in the 2018 season. Um, and going deeper on it, you know, the Bengals, I don't think they're very good. Um, and now Pete had brought this up, I guess I want to say, Pete, about, what, two to three weeks ago. And why is nobody talking about the fact that Jonah Williams is injured? And now, and if you go back, and I, I'm not sure if this is the third year in a row, um, but they're going to, you know, at least, you know, the last couple of years, well, I don't even know, William Jackson, they... Yeah, they didn't get, yeah, there's like five. But, I mean, at least some of those guys played something. But Jonah Williams is going to go the William Jackson route, and you are going to get nothing of a first-round pick, which means uh, Drew Sample, the blocking tight end out of Washington, will be the highest-drafted bangle to see action this year. But, Pete, it just never ends. And, I mean, you know, just because you finally moved on from Marvin Lewis doesn't change the fact that it's not a really good freaking football roster. Right, so... Bengals fans were terrified when they announced at the team's minicamp that Jonah Williams wouldn't be participating because of an undisclosed injury. And they also announced the signing to John Jerry, said it was unrelated, which may well have been the truth. But the, the, the problem was when they were out at minicamp doing practices, Cordy Glenn was back at left tackle. And that sent chills down every Bengals fan's spine because, you know, if, if, if Williams was going to be fine – you know, there, there seemed to be no real point in having Cordy Glenn move back to left tackle. He should work at left guard. And lo and behold, here we are. Torn Labrum had surgery. He's out for the year. And now Cordy Glenn has to be their left tackle. And the Bengals' season was always counting on a lot of injury luck. They, maybe more than any other team in the league, felt like they needed a lot of things to go right. And... Any injury on that team felt like it would would knock down a house of cards because they, you know, if you look at it from the standpoint of if everybody stays healthy and the guys they have projected as starters play, they can be an okay team with a really good set of weapons and, and maybe enough blocking that could actually, you know, allow their offense to be pretty good. Their defense would still have question marks, but they would be a pretty good team. But you know, and this is obviously a bad situation, and and very few teams are you know able to sort of absorb significant losses like like this one. But they found you know this is like the worst possible place you could hit them uh, in terms of injury. Like AJ Green going down, Tyler Boyd was great, and certainly AJ Green's a better player than an unpro- unproven Jonah Williams is. 
but in terms of what they wanted, expected, hoped for out of Williams and that job, they were hoping at the very least they had four linemen squared away. Jonah Williams at left tackle, uh, Cordy Glenn at left guard, Billy Price, who spent a lot of time injured last year, their first round pick at center, and then right guard, uh, probably uh, what's his face, uh, bowling. And then the the big you know the big sore thumb there was the very well paid awful right tackle Bobby Hart. Now you're in a situation where Bobby Hart might be your best tackle. Uh, and that's not because Cordy Glenn is fine. It's just he has his own injury history. So you're in like a paper thin situation. And, you know, the Browns are not much better at tackle, but they're so much better on the interior. And, and Cordy Glenn would have at least lended some credibility and help. Billy Pro is hopefully going to come in and have a better year. But now, you know, you're, you're talking about Cordy Glenn going to left tackle. And then at least according to Schefter, the idea that John Jerry could end up being the starting left guard, which is <laughs> And I, I tweeted it out, but look, if you're playing John Jerry, who I think Christian Westerman is a good football player and should start now. Uh, I think I think he's good enough to play. But if they're really going to go with John Jerry and Bobby Hart on their offensive line, then then Mike Brown may well have taken an in, a life insurance policy on Andy Dalton, and he wants that thing to cash in because that is death. That is going to get him killed. Uh, and, you know, the Browns have substantial questions up front. They've got a question at right guard. Both tackle positions you're sort of holding your breath for a little bit, and that still feels substantially more stable than what the Bengals have right now. Um, I mean, well, first things first. Yeah, Andy Dalton's season ended last year against the Cleveland Browns. Even if they had everybody, you still wondered how they were going to handle you know, the pass rush of Cleveland. Pete, now we're in a territory of, I don't even think we're going to see Andy Dalton because these games are not going to come to December. Obviously, they were late last year. They're late again this year. Um, and what it was is that you were at least hopefully going to have a chance to evaluate Andy Dalton you know, with the current skill you had and see if he was going to be, you know, something that Zach Taylor could work with, um, you know, because obviously you're, you know, you're close to your end of your run here with Andy Dalton in Cincinnati. Um, again, why you still didn't just take Dwayne Haskins as opposed to Jonah Williams, you know, and I, either way, I don't think they were in it for anything anyway. With Jonah Williams or without Jonah Williams, they're the fourth, they are the worst team in the AFC North. That's not going to change anything. Now it's just a question of, and I put it out there today, and I'm not afraid to say it, and I'll stand by it. The Bengals are on the clock. Uh, I, I, I don't see how this team, you know, musters up more than three wins. Uh, their, their linebacking unit is subpar. It didn't really get much better. You're really obviously hoping, uh, you know, Malik Jefferson obviously makes a huge step there. Uh, you know, A.J. Green, you're getting at that point with A.J. Green is, you know, you know, when you start to have these foot injuries, you know, is it something that he can only go X amount of time each year and each, you know, each year? Um, maybe if the games are more meaningful, he can give you a little bit more. Um, you know, Boyd, you worry about long term because he's going to be looking for some money because he's probably going to put together another thousand yard season after two good years. And the Bengals don't usually pay anybody. Um, you know, Joe Mixon, you know, it's great that Joe's a talented player and he is versatile in both aspects, but I, I just don't think they have enough. You know, bullets in the gun on both sides of the ball, and you know what are you going to see? You're going to see Finley and Jeff Driscoll, you know, alternating starts in December as you know you go on your run for you know uh, you know Abair, you know to uh, whatever your quarterback flavor of choice is. 
it's it, it's just it's going to look really really bad, and and I feel bad for Zach Taylor because I think he's almost going to end up in a position similar to what Steve Wilkes did. You know, I don't think they're going to blow blow him out the door after one year, but you know you, you know you you got your opportunity, but now now what you really hear and looking around and saying, well, how great of an opportunity was this? Um. There's a few elements to this that become more likely. Uh, first, I, I, you know, I was dubious that the Bengals games would matter in December. Now I think the Bengals have gone ahead and notified the Browns that they're not even going to show up. Um, I think we uh, could get to a situation where, you know, I, I, this may have ultimately where they ended up anyway. Uh but this may be the end of – I mean, this was this was always looked at as Andy Dalton trying to showcase if he was going to get another uh, year, uh, another extension. But I think we're going to get to a point quickly where we're going the, – the, the Bengals fans and media and everybody are going to be talking about it's time to blow this thing up and move on. So what's likely to happen? Andy Dalton's going to, this will be the last year of his career in, in, in Cincinnati. And I think, uh, I don't know if they will actually do something like pull the trigger on a trade for AJ green, but this is probably the last year of AJ green in Cincinnati. If Zach Taylor has anything to say about it, and it's not because Zach Taylor doesn't like AJ green. It's just where AJ green, he's 30. That's not, he's not old man or anything, but if you sign AJ green to like a four year extension, What's he really going to do for you by the time this team is theoretically competitive again? You're going to run into a situation where you are running the you are running the clock on guys like Carlos Dunlap, who's 31, Geno Atkins, who's 30. Like those, that's the spine of your team right there. Those four guys and, and your DBs are very good, and those guys are younger. They can be part of your future, but this becomes very easy. As the, for the Bengals right now to talk to them, talk themselves into let's the let's let's go ahead and just pull the plug, and in that scenario, it almost becomes an immunizing effect for Zach Taylor because now your expectations are nil. You have no expectations, and you know if everything was working right, you know as we've seen from some chesty Bengals fans. <laughs> you know they were talking. They were talking themselves into being a contender, uh, and and you know again, this sort of highlights how thin they are. Uh, they do have some talent, but this is how thin they are. That now it becomes well, they have no expectations. Let's see what Zach Taylor can start doing with these younger guys, and what they what what effectively becomes the next generation of the Bengals. So. I'm very curious to see how this sort of plays out. I, look, I, I feel awful for Bengals fans and guys like Joe Goodberry and and all of the and, and Brian Bosarge and, and guys I know who are Bengals fans because this this is completely a uh, Groundhog Day situation for them. It's five years. Brian Price has played the most games out of a rookie for five years, and Brian Price had an awful, forgettable rookie year. Played six uh, and played six games. Yeah, six and. But, uh, you know, that's the part is I'm curious to see what happens when they get sort of past the fact that this guy's over this over uh, the season is over for him. And I hope he comes back and I hope he's great. I have questions about what he can really do in the NFL, but I, you know, I, I, I don't want to wish ill upon him. 
But I, I am curious to see how what happens when they're they're sort of over the initial shock. And my guess is we're going to see a lot of people talking about pull the plug, let's start moving on, let's let's get out of these things. Uh, you know, and 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 a lot of ways, Mike Brown may be very inclined to do some of these things because it obviously means paying less money, which it is always it, good. Which is always good in Cincinnati. Right, but but it does, you know, in, in that sense, it makes it easier for Mike Brown to let AJ Green go. Um, that that may almost work out in his favor if the Bengals like pluck their way to, you know, they they frisky Bengaled their way to a seven and nine season or something along those lines or six and ten, where you're sort of going, well, I can talk myself into this for another year then I think it becomes more difficult to move on from a guy, particularly A.J. Green. I think Andy Dalton is very easy to move on from personally, but that's me. But A.J. Green's the one where you're sitting there going, I don't know. And then if they go, you know, if they are in a situation where they're going 4-12, and 12, then you're basically saying, what are we keeping him for other than saying, you know, other than trying to make sure that he spent his entire career as a Bengal, which is notable, but ultimately doesn't really do much for your franchise. And And I'm totally willing to listen to the argument that A.J. Green is to the Bengals what Joe Thomas is to the Browns. And, I, you know, I, I can totally sympathize with the idea that, you know, if this, if he wants to stay a Bengal for life, you know, they should, uh, they, should, they should fulfill that request and let him do that. But if he's to the point where he's like, you know, without actually saying I want out and basically like, you know, let's, let's go ahead and, you know, move on. That's where I, I'm, I expect this thing toward, tends to go. But no, I do not. I mean, I think the Bengals are going to be bad. I think they're going to be in the top 10 pick, maybe a top five pick. But as we've discussed previously, there are just so many God awful teams in this league. And I think the Bengals are still sadly better than a few of them. Uh, well, you know, for me, it, it's it's going to be Cincinnati and Tampa. I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm very concerned for both franchises and, you know, it should be really fun um, looking to chase that quarterback down next April when Trevor Lawrence is not available for yet another calendar year. The difficult thing here, though, is Pete, is if you decide you're going to start moving some pieces around, A.J. Green would maybe be something you're going to have to do over the summer because you can't roll the dice and say, you want to know what, people around the trade deadline, you don't have those guarantees. I think A.J.'s missed double-digit games you know, combined two out of the last three years. So, that's a big roll of the dice. Geno Atkins, maybe you would have a better opportunity. Dunlap's obviously missed some time in his career. So the question, you know, if you're going to do it, you might want to do it over the summer. And that's it. We're ripping it off here. Zach Taylor, here you go. you got a whole bunch of young guys everywhere. Let's see what we can put together. And, you know, hopefully we can go get ourselves a 10, 11, 12 draft pick haul, you know, in, in 2020. So it's going to be interesting how they play this. I mean, but again, for me, it hasn't changed much. I expected not much of this franchise at all this year. Um, and now, obviously, I'm going to expect even less. Yes, you have some nice pieces. But I've, I have spent over a year talking about the Cleveland Browns and telling you they have some really nice pieces. But until you've got it all, you know, until you got the quarterback, first of all, um, you, know, you ain't got shit. But until you know, you've got enough of it everywhere, 
expecting to compete. It's just not going to happen. And even someone today, ah, well, maybe Arizona's worse. Well, we'll get to find out. They're going to play each other this year. So, uh, you know, and I'll tell you right now, I'd rather have Kyler Murray for the next couple of years than Andy Dalton for the next couple of years. I've seen Andy Dalton. We've seen how that plays out. And it's always the, oh, you know, and I even had Bengals fans play. Oh, well, you know, he doesn't, you should see him when it's not a big game. He plays well. It's not a big game. He plays well then. That's fantastic. Who the hell cares? Um, So the Andy Dalton is literally going to play you out of draft position again, which he's done many times. Oh, of course, absolutely. Just enough to tease you. You know, it's like you go, you know, you go over to your friend's house or whatever, and you know, mom makes a huge spread of food. Your friend's mom and and your buddy tells you, you only eat the chicken. The rest of it's all terrible. It's it, that's burnt, that's overcooked, that's undercooked. You know, it's you know what it is. It's just enough to tease you, and then it's five and eleven, and then you're in the territory of we'll take whatever quarterback is left. Um, bang, blow it up. Um, you know, compete with Jacksonville. Blow it the freak. I mean, with with Tampa Bay, blow it up and see how bad you can go, and hopefully you can. Uh, you know, recap it there. Um, there is something here with Jonah Williams we're going to get to in a minute that is a nice piggyback and caveat off of this. But in the meantime, Pete's going to tell you about the fine folks over at Blue Chew. So, you know, I, I'm nothing if not a humanitarian, and it concerns me. I, 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 I wish all the best to Mrs. Lloyd on her birthday. But it, it, it worries me about the state of the Lloyds when on her birthday she was, quote, unquote, not feeling well, which makes me think that Mrs. Lloyd did not get a Bluetooth birthday. And that that hurts us all that we didn't get that. And I think all of us should reach out to Jeff and remind him of the importance of what Bluetooth offers, the consistency, making sure he has his A game. So the Mrs. Lloyds continues to be Mrs. Lloyd. and she uh, is willing to stick around and put up with, with Jeff for another few years at least, at least until the kids are out of the house. But Blue Chew, it, it, it's, it's the name you know. It's the name you trust. It's, it's just like the color blue. It's the fast chewable that has the same FDA-approved active ingredient as Viagra and Cialis, so you know, you know they work. You can take it any time. Jeff could have taken it any time, day or night, on a full stomach and been ready to go. And he dropped the ball. And that's that hurts me. That hurts me. I want Jeff to be happy. I want Mrs. Lloyd to be happy. And an opportunity was dropped here. So I'm hoping for her sake, for his sake, he makes the right call, like so many of you have done, and makes that call to Blue Chew. And we all get where we, you know, when, 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 when the wife has a birthday, it's not, I wasn't feeling well. That makes me think Jeff is losing the battle losing the war against the machines. Trying to hold back the laughter. Uh, promo code locked on. Blue Chew. B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W. Blue like the color. Blue Chew. Check it out, guys. <coughs> For the record, I did take care of business. Even with all the snot and the sneezing and the coughing, it was an experience. It was a wild ride. Um, but yeah, no, it's, you know, having your wife sick as a dog on her birthday and you're trying to do things and then it's pretty much um yeah these just please take the kids and get the freak out of here because my children and like most children if mom and dad are both home they go to mom for everything i could literally be standing in the kitchen asking them what they want to eat 
and they will still go look for their mother and say, Mom, 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 Mom. And, and I get it from her standpoint, and I'll tell you right now, I was the same way, you know, if my father was in the kitchen. I'll make you something to eat. Yeah, okay. Because uh, I literally remember my father once when I was a kid fixing the washing machine and saying, the washing machine's fixed. I was like, okay, turn it on, make sure it works. I said, wait a minute, you fixed it, but you don't know how the freaking thing works? You know, it, you know, children will always tend to go to their mothers. It's just the way it works. Um, but with the Jonah William news, um, Pete, we, we talk about this a lot, but it's, again, it's it's the Alabama thing, and there's two things. You know, did Nick Saban and the staff down there push you so hard to greatness that you come into the NFL dinged up? Or there's always the question of, you know, and I don't want to say his name, but obviously, you know, type of Mac Wilson is, is, you know, did you not get enough of what they were giving you, which ends up with, you know, a starting linebacker at Alabama going in the fifth round. But this is more on the injury side, and whether it's D. Milner, and there's been so many guys, and, you know, I always make the joke, you know, these guys arrive on campus, welcome to Tuscaloosa, here's your room assignment, this is where we eat, this is where the player center is, have you picked your orthopedic surgeon? But, you know, Nick takes these guys, these you know, these kids, and you know, obviously turns them into ball players. But the question is, you know, with a lot of them now, what's freaking left of them by the time they get to the NFL? Um, yeah, and to be clear, uh, there's no way. This is entirely correlation at this point. There's no way to know if this particular injury has any bearing on what. Because well, I mean, he did do everything combine wise. He lifted. He worked out. He tested. I mean, there's some element of shit happens uh that we can't you know fair, you know put a number on in this particular case but as a correlation and a statistical data point with alabama players over the course of years it is disturbing how many have left that school either with diagnosed uh chronic issues that have ultimately short-circuited their careers before they got to the nfl or they got to the nfl and immediately had a series of injuries that are at least suggestive of being overworked or not allowed to heal or those type of things at Alabama. And, you know, if you want to compare it, you go, you, you can go right down the road to Baton Rouge and compare the, you know, the career outcomes in terms of injuries just to LSU. And they're nothing alike. They're absolutely no different. And, and it's the way that, Alabama, and, and this is, you know, this is the price of success in a lot of ways, is that when you recruit all these guys, player A gets hurt, player B is is a five-star guy, and, you know, he, he he's a fantastic football player and a prospect, and he wants to get out there, and player A feels like, well, I got to get out there, I can't, if I don't get out there, I'm going to lose my job, and you're not going to hear from me for however long, you know, ever. Uh, and, and and then I have to transfer or whatever, and I lose all the sort of the oeuvre that comes with being a member of the Crimson Tide. And, you know, and, and some of that is entirely on players. There's no doubt that part of that, there is a an element of you have to be willing to, you know, accept that you are doing something that could, you know, alter your career uh, for the sake of trying to do something now. But at the same time, it at least certainly smells like Alabama does not do a great job in sort of really shutting guys down for the necessary amount of time 
to get them healthy and back on the field at the right point as opposed to the point where they feel like they can get out there and just protect their jobs in that that type of area. And this is sort of the rea- reality of it. And, and it's, you know, some of these positions like offensive linemen uh, and DBs, receivers have had this. Defensive linemen have had this to some point, but there is a little bit more of a rotation element there. So they can, you know, they can still contribute with having uh, the ability to, you know, get rest and those type of things. It's not the end of the world if you miss a couple of games at Alabama, but they do want them in for the, the, the best games. But like a guy like Jesse Williams, who looked like he's going to be an outstanding nose tackle coming out of Alabama. And <laughs> myself included, we all rated him way too high. Uh, he ultimately goes in the fifth round to Seattle for a because his knee is an absolute mess. Yep. Cyrus Quanjo had a diagnosed uh, chronic arthritic condition, I believe, in his knee. Uh, had no business being drafted, probably at all. Buffalo went ahead and took him in the second round, and he did nothing. And that's you know, that's that's what it is. That's what that what happens when you have those types of things is you're essentially cooked before you get to the NFL. And that's really unfortunate. And I'm sure there are probably some other programs that have some scary results in terms of this, but it's just so often you find these with Alabama. It's just, it's very scary. And, and look, if, if, if anyone was ever to, you know, to ask me about, and I'm, you know, to the extent that I would have any, uh, input on anybody's decision on where to go to college. But if you're like, if, if, just comparing it, if you, you're saying, would you, would you suggest I go to Alabama or LSU? I would say LSU a hundred percent. And that's entirely the reason is because they have substantially better health outcomes. Well, it's, it's, it's the Bama buyer beware type of thing. And, and it is because there is so much competition there and it's, Oh, well, you're a junior. This could possibly be your draft year, um, and you're a cornerback. Well, uh, if you're not going to play, I just brought in a five-star freshman. I brought in a four-star freshman. Uh, their dads had eight to ten years, eight to ten year careers in the NFL. Uh, we can just move on. So you probably should just play. And you know, it's it, and yes, because they have. I mean, I don't know what you want to put it over, but I mean, over the last. Decade, they are going to be top five of players sent to the NFL or however long Nick's been there. So, you know, obviously, with the more numbers you have sent to the NFL, the percentage is better, obviously, that you're going to have your injury hits. But, I mean, it comes a ton with this program and the pressure. And, obviously, you know, it's it's a national championship or bust every year, year in, year out in Tuscaloosa. That's part of it. And this is why, you know, I know Pete and I are here already, and we, we talked about this a bunch last year. You go to the SEC championship game where you needed Jalen Hurts to bail you out. Um, you know, Tua throws a nice ball. Um, there's going to be issues, and you guys are going to think it sounds a little weird. There's going to be issues because he's a left-handed quarterback. That is an issue. Um, but there's also an issue of Pete is if he has a hard enough time getting through a college season, how the hell is he going to get through a 16-game season in the NFL? Yeah, and this this speaks to the larger issue I have with the grind that goes from being your last year in college to the first year of your NFL career is just that it's basically like almost two years of straight nothing but grind, um, and and that's, especially that's, for with, for a quarterback unlike any other position. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's it's um, it's it's why one of the reasons I I would always 
say get your stuff done at the combine as much as you can. Um, you know, this is less of a quarterback thing and less of, more of everybody else, but get all that stuff done, stuff done because if you can do it to a point where you're satisfied with it, you don't have to do it at Prote. You can do so much in terms of taking it easy on your body and trying to prepare yourself before you then have to go uh, and, and into the NFL season. You can you can uh, do things to sort of focus on on recovery in addition to some more you know still uh, training for strength and all those things. But you're not you know constantly pounding on your body to try to make that forty yard dash or that three cone or whatever it is. So yeah. But, I mean, in, 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 it specifically with Tua, um, that is definitely something you've got to be worried about. He's had a significant – he's had uh, knee injuries where you're sitting there going – and he's not a huge guy. He's, you know, he's relatively thick, but he's not a, a huge guy. Uh, and, and certainly it, he, he goes down uh, and, and grabs at something. Everybody's going to freak out. You will hear endless arguments about how – so-and-so should be able to immediately enter the draft out of whatever year, even though that's a terrible idea. Um, you'll hear, oh, he should sit out the rest of his season and, and not play and, and, you know, all that stuff. And that's – so from that standpoint, I hope to God he's perfectly healthy the entire year because I hate hearing that shit. It's not the way people think it is, uh, and, and people will hold that against you 100% of the time. Uh, and, and then suggest you're non-competitive or you're afraid or whatever and all that crap. So it, it, it's definitely a concern uh, with that. And, and, and yeah, to, a, to his injury question. And it's no different from the kid from Oregon who has injury questions. Yep. And, and the same issues of is he going to make it, is he going to be able to hold up through, you know, first his last college season and then through NFL season. And, of course, again, as always, Browns fans, be thankful for Baker. And this is not something you have to worry about or shop even. You know, that's one aisle of the store you can avoid completely, 100%. And, you know, that's something you're going to – because one of the lures of Tua is he's a good athlete. Well, you know, you're only a good athlete if you get wheels. And, and the other thing is, is Tua has got some – they made a transformation in the Alabama offense. They went for years where it was very, very strong running – program and it still is but you know they kind of just kind of flipped the switch where well hey let's let's throw the ball a little bit too and you know uh you know judy is a fantastic player um they have uh henry ruggs the third down there i i love he kind of already gives me odell beckham odell beckham jr vibes and that's i, I don't throw that around loosely but he's got the elite speed and you know, he's able to make some catches where you're just like wow that that, that wasn't supposed to happen They've got a lot of talent there, so now you wonder if it's just a quarterback throwing to a bunch of really, really talented dudes, and maybe he's getting overhyped. But again, this is not going to be our problem, not our pig, not our farm, Browns fans, because we are not going to have to worry about that, because I believe the quarterback situation here is handled for quite a while. Um, a lot of great guys doing uh, stuff with the apparel and the t-shirts. Uh, I just want to give uh, East Mecca Clothing Company. Um, they're doing some really great things. Um, you, you know, everybody is trying to one-up each other and come up with some good stuff. But, you know, everybody's kind of making a continued solid effort to put out some good stuff. Uh, check out the guys. Uh, check out East Mecca Clothing Company uh, if you're looking for any brown shirts or whatever. they got some good stuff going on over there. And if you really want to one-up each other, they should send us some product. Uh, yes. I mean, you know, look, uh 
maybe I won't model, but my kids are cute. So if you have something at kid sizes, you know, they could probably help you push some product. Uh, Mrs. Lloyd, uh, yeah, you know, I get it every time I put a picture up. Yes, guys, I'm aware. I'm aware, yes. I, I probably outkicked my coverage. I, I get it. I get it. I get news for you. Most of you guys probably did too. Uh, women age better. Uh, men age like a hangover. Women age kind of like wine. Um, this is one, and now Unicorn Killer, I think MC Baptist or whatever. Pete, how much... And I don't want to say it's far-fetched, because I, I don't want to think it's... I don't want to say it's far-fetched. Is it possible the Browns could end up as the number one offense in the NFL in 2019? Yeah, I mean, if you look at how they, you know, how they did, the, the especially those when Freddie Kitchens took over, it's absolutely out there to be had. That's a really difficult uh, summit to climb. Uh, but, the, yeah, I mean, they, they've, they've shown the capability. And, and theoretically, I mean, based on everything they've done, again – you know, knock on wood, especially, you know, in light of the Jonah Williams situation that you don't get riddled by injuries. Um, they are more talented than they were last year. So it should be not easier, but I mean, I, I'm, that, there's no other word for it. Easier to do it given what they have in, in house. But, you know, at various points last year with Freddie Kitchens, they were among the best in the league. So, you know, I don't think it's fair to expect them to be that good, but certainly there's the, the expectation that they should be, you know, flirting with the top 10, if not in it, pretty solidly. And I think part of this is going to come down to, you know, does anything change with Freddie with the fact that it's now, you know, knowing you're the man? Obviously, you know, last year in charge of the offense, you know, you know obviously Greg told him, look, do your thing over there, uh, you know. My, me and my crew will worry about the defense. You know, will there be some bumps in the road? Obviously, you know, incorporating Odell into all this, there's going to have to be, you know, that's going to take a little work. As as great and awesome as Odell Beckham Jr. sounds coming into your offense, there's incorporating him, but also remembering that you have a whole bunch of other really, really talented people and trying to make that work. So that could be a little bit difficult I mean, it could be. It's going to be a little bit difficult because you know th there is a lot going on. Um, you know, it, it could hit the ground running from week one. I mean, it, it could start a little bit slow. There's possibilities either way, um, but it's the talent is there. You look at like some of these other teams that could compete for that. Obviously, the Rams. You have no idea where you are with Todd Gurley. Um, Cooper Cup is the same thing. He's coming back from a knee injury, uh, so maybe them. You know, I think McVay will find a way to get it going. It doesn't matter, but it's you know, it's going to be. You know, are these guys huge parts of this? Are they just parts of this? So they certainly are in the conversation. There's no doubt about it. Uh, am I going to stamp it? No, I, I I think that would be pretty hot takeish. But uh, I wouldn't be stunned in any way whatsoever, um, especially the fact that that second half where you can add Kareem Hunt, and Pete, we've talked about it, that second half is, you know, a fat guy being let loose in a donut shop schedule-wise. Yeah, I mean, everything just sets up so well for them to really hit their stride in the second half. And, and, and I don't doubt that, you know, if it all works out, that we're going to get a whole thing, like, you know, I think... Smarter fans will sort of realize what's happening, but you're going to get the hot take shit where it's, oh, Kareem Hunt was the, the straw that is stirring the drink there in Cleveland because it just happens to work out that, the you know, he comes back week nine against the Patriots, and then it's like 
the dregs of football and he's going to be there and they're going to probably should look very good in that time that they're going to be like, Oh, look what, look what he's doing to that offense. And I think when we get into like the advanced statistics and like yards per play and stuff like that, it was probably already heading in that trend, but that, that becomes such an easy story to play off of, you know, it wouldn't be the first time, you know, imagine bringing in a player and then the team starts winning and then everything gets attributed to that player being there. Uh, because you have to justify a substantial contract. It's sort of one of those type of things. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, look, it is genuinely going to be, you know, it, it should be downhill. It, it should absolutely be downhill. And they should be able to, you know, if we're, we're, we're getting to a situation where it's like, again, pending health, you know, greatest show on turf type highlights, and again, it always takes me back to us, 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 Akeem and uh, Tori Holt looking at each other running down the sideline uh, because it's just a joke at that point. But the, there, there could be a game. Uh, there could be a game in that situation where they are just like absolutely toying with somebody and put up like fifty uh, and, and just absolutely end it in that type of situation and pour it on. Now that, that, that let's both Bengals get both Bengal games last year, they could have dropped 50. Like it was nobody's business. And that this is, is before hunt and Odell. Right. And that's, you know, that's a hundred percent true. And, and you know, the fact that they, they have an offense that's, you know, more geared to, to keep pouring it on and the fact they have a defense that should be able to sort of, you know, step on the throat uh, and, and potentially, you know, they get up in a game like that, and, and let's say it's that three-score lead like they had against the Bengals, and maybe as opposed to last year where they, you know, they're 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 letting a team chip away, where you get like a, a sack fumble or a pick six, and 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 you know that thing that really just rips their heart out because they have so much talent in terms of that pass rush and those type of things, where you know there there will be those little details that you talk about the difference between the games like they had against the Bengals where it's like, why isn't this over yet? Now, oh, holy shit, now they're back in it. To the, yep. They had to hang on to the difference between that and, you know, who wants a piece? You know, we're bringing in backups. We're, we, you know, Baker Mayfield came out of the game, like that type of stuff. There's a, There could be a very thin line uh, between those two things, between these two years. And for me, it, look, it, it's the NFL. It, I don't care. Kick their doors in, kick their teeth in, run it up. Um, and it's not that. It's, you know, I, why am I going to give you the opportunity to, A, put this stress on my defense where I have defensive players having to take 60 reps because it isn't college and I can't go 100 deep where I got defensive players playing 65 reps in a game where I once held a 28-point lead. So, no, keep on going out doing your thing and – I don't care, it, you know. Look, the, the NFL is always the has and the ha- I mean, the haves and the have-nots. That's the way it works. If you're the have-nots, you're tanking. You're trying to become the haves. Who cares? Um, but you know, and I remember talking about this with both Bengal games last year. It both of them. It pissed me off both times. You guys have been everybody's freaking doormat for goddamn twenty years since you got the franchise back. Why? What, what, what do you care about everybody else now? Because certainly nobody else cared about it when they were putting, you know putting the Browns out, putting the Browns down like a stale freaking Paul Mall. Go get yours. 
Everybody else, step up. You know, very rarely do you see, unless it's December, Bill Belichick take his foot off the gas. And you know, that's what that's what it is. And you know, how do you stay sharp? You stay sharp by continuing to compete and execute. And you know, maybe you dumb down the playbook where you're not showing you know things that you might need you know in a week or two or in playoff games, things of that nature. But if they can't stop you, don't you know? Don't get yourself in a situation where you run three piece of crap running plays. Punt the ball back and put them back out there and have your defense get stressed because it, it, it just. Makes, you know, no point whatsoever. Yes, Pete, I got the DM, by the way. Wink, wink. Um, and it, it, you just you don't put yourself in that. Um, you know, and, and the other thing is, is, you know, everybody's got a chance to eat here, and there are so many mouths to feed, and you know eventually you're not going to be capable of keeping everybody. So there's no reason to not let these guys get their numbers, which is going to lead to them getting muddy. And if they're going to have to move on, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna have to move on. You're not going to be pay pay everybody, but you know, it'll also be a thing where, you know, when it's a free agent who may have, you know, the year before heading into his free agent year, he got dinged up, missed ten games. There's no way he's gonna get a really good deal. Well, all right, I can go to Cleveland for one year, pump these numbers back up, and go get the money that I lost. It's certainly out there. That that, that becomes a tantalizing, a tantalizing option with the Brashard Perryman, you know, roadmap. Um, Greg Robinson roadmap. If he can do sure, it again, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and, but I, you know, I, I hate the argument. I know you're not making it, but the idea of too many mouths to feed. You know what the best way to do when you have too many mouths to feed? Be great on offense and just yep. create more opportunities. Like. I, but it's like baseball, though. If you win fifteen to one, it's not your fault that somebody kept throwing freaking hanging curveballs or was throwing ninety-two mile an hour fastballs. You go up there, you know. You should take the game seriously. I, I, I've always been one. Look, it's not. It's freaking not freaking kindergarten soccer or first grade soccer where it's a rec league. You don't want kids' feelings to get hurt because guess what? Then they come back. They don't come back anymore, and your league sucks, and you don't have enough people. Everybody's getting paychecks here, so if you know if you're getting your ass kicked, that's just the way it is. It, it, there's just no other way around it. I mean, if you're if you're averaging 200 yards of offense a game, and you're going, well, why you know why isn't so and so getting enough touches? I mean, there's certainly an element of that, but the answer is gain more yards, get 500 yards. There's plenty of opportunities for everybody in that scenario. That and I and I think that's exactly what Freddie's attitude is, and I think that's what this offense's attitude is. Is like, look. Yeah, well, I mean, he he addressed it sort of as as long as they're winning, you know, they won't mind. But I, but I, I I I think it becomes as simple as look, man, you start putting up thirty and forty points in games, there's going to be opportunities. I, you know, Odell Beckham's going to have his, but you know, there's going to be opportunities created by that. Obviously, Nick Chubb had a great year last year. Obviously, there's plenty of ways. I mean, if you're sitting there going, well, how does Odell Beckham get enough touches? Jarvis Landry get enough touches? Uh, David Njoku get enough touches, Richard Higgins and Antonio Callaway, and then Kareem Hunt, Duke, uh, Duke Johnson, and and Nick Chubb, at least for the eight games Duke Johnson's here, you, you move the ball more. There's going to be an opportunity for it. I mean, like, get more first downs. Like, the easiest thing you can do is just, just good offense is what gives you more opportunities. And if you're not getting opportunities when the offense is, yeah, is good, then the problem may be you. Uh, yeah, 100%. Um, from Rogers, and this would be at J. Rogbot. 
Um, what type of players, special teams or positions, obviously, and he puts D-tackle in parentheses, so obviously we know Rodgers is a listener. Um, do you see the Browns looking for once camp and preseason start and some cuts start coming? Um, what position group do you see this having an effect on the most uh obviously aka where you may have to trim some of the fat whereas pete would be the luxury of a ninth offensive lineman a sixth cornerback or a sixth wide receiver um yeah this is something in defensive tackle we talked about this a lot but if in last summer i laughed about this and this was the whole jeff janice thing and you know you weren't in the opportunity last year for a luxury, which is a guy who's an elite special teamer. Um, they did draft a bunch of these guys this year with special teams in mind. But, yeah, if somebody's going to move on from a guy who has an elite special teams background, Pete, that does become advantageous and somewhat attractive to this franchise that thinks they've done a ton of work on both sides of the ball. Yeah, the, the, the thing to focus on will be, can they find guys who can do more than one thing? Um, it, it becomes, you know, if you're looking at it from the standpoint of, like, can... So Sheldrick Redwine is an interesting example in that he was great as a slot DB at Miami. You know, when he had his media availability, he never mentioned it, which doesn't mean he's not doing it, just he didn't mention it. But if he's able to contribute as a slot in addition to being, you know, that that uh, cross-training safety, then maybe they don't need to keep what they feel is, a, you know, another slot DB. And then a guy like maybe Javier Thomas or, or JT Hassel can make the team in that scenario. Um, if if somebody can, you know, a tight end can, can prove to be a tight end and a fullback but give more than Orson Charles is, is giving – as you know, as a as a playmaking type guy, then that becomes a way you can sort of save a roster spot. It becomes about the more things that they can get a certain guy to do, that then that creates opportunities for them to take guys who are sort of very specialized. And Tavier Thomas is obviously the best example from the last year's team that was very good at special teams that really didn't do anything else. But I mean, that's you know, that's some of these linebackers. For the Browns have basically done nothing in their careers to this point. Uh, oh, they didn't play special teams. Yeah, Ray Ray Armstrong's a good, but even like the kid they got uh, from Tampa. Yeah, the kid they got from Tampa was terrible um, as an actual on-field linebacker, but he's a really good special teamer. So somebody's going to have to break through and be able to do more than one thing to create those situations where they can keep a dedicated special teamer or. They just don't want to give up one of their linemen or one of their DBs because they feel like they have too many talented ones or they want to hold on to them so they can maybe trade one or something like that. So it becomes guys who can do more than one thing. And, and the DB is probably the best example because there are, you know, a guy like TJ Carey can theoretically, if they, you know, I don't know how much that, that was serious about the idea that he could potentially contribute as a safety, but a guy like, Morgan Burnett conceivably can be a slot player. A guy like uh, Jermaine Whitehead might be looked at as a slot player. Eric Murray is the ultimate, you know, guy who's done a little bit of everything. Where do they Swiss Army knife. Yeah. If they can get more of those guys, then that creates opportunities for sort of the quote-unquote luxury special teamers slash other players on the team. You know, you want want to keep a 10th defensive lineman. 
you know, who, who sort of picks up the slack so that you can do that. Those become interesting. And Jannard Avery may be a good example of a guy that can be one of those in that, you know, they're all, he's really a defensive end, but maybe they still keep him doing some Sam stuff because just in a pinch, he can stand up and do that. It's an advantage that, you, you know, you guys have and, you know, in that's what you should be looking for here now, look, because, I mean, you have a lot of headliners at a ton, almost at every positional group, but now you need to fill it in with guys who can, you know, do the dirty work, and then you do have to factor, and this is one thing I want to keep reiterating is, you know, the one thing that led the Browns to 7-8-1 last year was the fact that they were very healthy, and they got very lucky in that respect. Nobody gets to choose and play the offensive line they want for 16 games in 17 weeks. Um, obviously, you lost Joe for three weeks. Uh, obviously, you know, you lost Terrence Mitchell for a good time last year. But, you know, there wasn't much else. And obviously, a lot of that is to the credit of Joe, who came back as quickly as he could. Uh, J.C. Treader, who everybody, you know, that you've had Zeitler on the show. You've had Batonio on the show saying they don't know how he did it. You know, Jake Burns was the day, there, there the day he got hurt. And, he, you know, he went walking out in a walking boot. And Jake even you know, texted me and said, dude, if we see J.C. Treader again within a month, I think we would call that a minor miracle. But yet he found a way to fight through it and just man up for the cause because, you know, especially with J.C., he was a guy with a couple of broken legs and was just kind of like, well, high ankle sprain? This is nothing. You know, so, uh, but that's what you're going to need. But, yes, with the special teams aspect, um, and some of it is, you know, with, you know, obviously some of the guys they drafted, you know, there was the special teams focus on it, but, you know, some of these rookies get so wide-eyed and so lost that you have to be a little bit leery of it in the special teams aspect of it because, you know, you do something wrong in a special teams aspect, all of a sudden it turns into an 87-yard punt return that should have never have happened. Yeah, I mean, look, you... Freddie Kitchens put a substantial emphasis on special teams and making it better. Uh, and he, you know, and even took, pre- they took a little hit on it because it was a guy who's a really good special teams coach, but also a guy with a little bit of a, you know, as everybody knows, off field. Right. Uh, but yeah, hundred percent. And, and, and that is something he emphasized in that hiring. He has emphasized in every, basically every press conference he's had. And they emphasize that in the players they targeted both in trades and the draft. Uh, everybody they've acquired has done something with special teams, save for Drew Forbes. Um, you know, he's the one guy, and I'm sure he's got to get experience on field goal team. So they have done everything in terms of trying to improve their special teams unit. And ultimately, they may decide, look, because we've made these investments, we've got enough guys that can do a real job and then a special teams job as opposed to actually needing to go out and get a, a full-on special teams full-timer. Uh, but it remains to be seen. It would not surprise me in the least if a guy like J.T. Hassel makes it. And I believe J.T. Hassel does have the potential to be a, a strong safety uh, on the field. But first and foremost, he's going to punch, punch his ticket uh, with special teams because you, you watch him do that stuff in college, and it's just he, he's uh, – He's a, he puts on a show in that that aspect of the game, and I think that's going to be certainly something that makes him attractive. And it wouldn't surprise me if you we start seeing him mentioned in camp and stuff because of the way he he plays on that area of the field. Well, and not to mention though, but he's just a good story and a guy you do want to root for, uh, you know. So he does bring that. But yeah, I mean, you're forty fifth to fifty three on this roster. 
they're going to have to be versatile, versatile guys because if you're the fourth or fifth linebacker on this team, congratulations, but you're going to have a lot more to do um, fifth, sixth wide receiver. You're going to have a lot more responsibilities, fifth, sixth cornerback, uh, fourth, or if it's a possibility of a fifth safety, you know, any one of these things, you know, it, your main reps are not going to be in base O. It's not going to be in the base deep. It, it's it's not where it's going to be. There's a lot of people in front of you, and the other thing is to able to be stick to able you know to be able to stick around and get your opportunities within the position in which you play is to you know be good enough that you're always on the game day roster and you're going to find a way to get your reps you know at your natural position uh pete anything we missed i don't think so no no anything i think we need to add all right i think we're good oh, oh I, I know what okay. i'll add okay let's let's let's, let's go out and 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 throw out a, re- a ridiculous rumor aj aj green to the seahawks Let's just say that. They've got cap room and they need a receiver. Boom, let's do it. What do you mean? But they drafted one in 60, uh, late in the 60s, Pete. They drafted that guy. Yeah, they, they, they sure did. They sure did. They could really yes. use A.J. Green. <laughs> yes, 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 they could. Um, uh, and the other one would be, uh, apparently Tyreek Hill is going to meet with the league this week. Um, my guess, and look, my guess is I don't think he's going to get any better of a suspension, meaning less time, than Kareem Hunt. I have no idea how any of this is going to work out. Um, obviously, with Kareem, there was video evidence, of course. But, uh, you know, I, I just don't see how Tyreek Hill is on this field for the Kansas City Chiefs before November, if at all. No, that uh, look, I think we are going to get the unsatisfactory punishment of all unsatisfactory punishments in that I think the league's going to give him eight games and both sides are going to be absolutely pissed. People who, who, you know, think he's a monster uh, with evidence uh, are going to say that's too few. And the people who are sitting there going, well, you know, he's legally clear are going to be mad that he gets that many or any, um, I, I, but that's that. That always feels like it's Roger Goodell's sweet spot. Do the thing that everybody's going to hate, as opposed to appeasing one side or the other. Um, and all I know is, if you know, if I were to say to my wife, "Bitch, you should fear me too." Uh, yeah, I'd be in cuffs, and yeah, it'd be a long, long road. Um, you say that to someone that you're romantically involved in, with with the history that they have. Some scary, scary, scary stuff. Uh, Pete, the latest over at Browns Maven. Uh, as always, videos out every day. Uh, you know, the news fairy sort of blessed us with one today, so I will uh, relate that to the Browns tomorrow uh, and then, you know, keep on rolling and see uh, what happens. As always, sitting here hoping for some contract news. Uh, other than that, I'm happy to have no news. Uh, regarding the Browns, because chances are it won't be good. So no news is good, good. Good news with Gary Gnews. If you're old yeah, enough to remember, I, the only thing that becomes interesting is if Amari Cooper gets his stupid contract extension. If that's going to impact what Odell Beckham gets in terms of his structure, that that might be a, a puzzle piece or a sort of a thing that has to get settled before that gets done. 
Um, and honestly, Dallas is just interesting from the standpoint of it's Dak, it's Cooper, it's Ezekiel Elliott waiting the wings, it's Byron Jones. Um, you know, how much can you just pay for three to four guys and not upset the apple cart and still put out a competitive team week in, week out? Yeah, and and I, I, I Dak think Prescott thirty million dollars. Seriously, Dak Prescott. Yeah, that's a that's that's an albatross contract. Uh, and I guess there's reporting that they're not gonna. And I don't think they should personally, but uh, they're not gonna extend Ezekiel Elliott during the season. Uh, my personal personally, I would let him walk, but that's why I wouldn't. Well, especially him. the way they're playing him. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, but I mean, there's there, there's a trust factor. <laughs> A lot of issues there, and and then you're potentially going to give him an insane amount of money on top of the Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper, where you're you know you get into that whole triplets thing. Uh, is that really the set of triplets you want to go with? I would say no to any of them. But the Cowboys are the Cowboys, and they're probably going to do all three in the end. Oh well, Jerry's going to Jerry. There's just no doubt about that, and you have you know there is no there is a huge part of him that's saying. Triplets part two. Triplets part two. And he's definitely looking at that as, you know, something he's looking to. Dog, be quiet. Well, they what? They tried with, who? who's the tailback? Well, I mean, they had the very beginning of Zeke, and it was Des Bryant and Tony Romo. Yep. And now it's going to be even more money for, you know, I, I guess you could say Amari and Des Bryant's maybe a wash. You know, I don't think Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott is Tony Romo. Um, but even as Zeke here investing in a guy that you've literally, you know, putting a ton of miles on and now you're going to pay him even more, which I don't know, none of that makes any sense to me. Um, Pete's work over at Browns Maven, uh, check it out. Brownsmaven.com follow at Browns Maven, uh, follow Pete at underscore Pete Smith underscore the lockdown Browns Twitter account. Always a follow back account at lockdown Browns, all lowercase me personally, uh, at Jeff underscore, uh, LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, I got to tell you guys, like it's like the juices are flowing. I, I'm really, really excited, and I know it's only a month out, but I am excited because it just as it goes, and and the best part is, and as Pete just said, you know, no news is good news, and that's what it is right now. Now it's kind of just like crossing off the days to where you get to camp, and it's just whew, one more closer, one more closer, because you know, love the product, love the possibilities of what this product can bring, and it's just getting closer and closer, and just knowing that you know. Everything, hopefully, you know, all the actors in this play will be a part of it come July 25th. So just looking forward to it, anticipating it. Uh, should be a really good time. Uh, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.